it's been a busy season already, and I know everybody's running hectic and a lot of activities, and, and I, I, we've had a lot of activities in the, in, the, in the Mills clan as well, a lot of things that we've got to do and just staying busy, and it, it's easy to lose the meaning of Christmas. Just because of the busyness of the season, it's easy to lose the meaning of the season, why we've gathered, why we celebrate the Advent, what it means, the significance of it, the significance of Jeezy, Jesus, <laughs> Jeezy, uh, Jesus, that's my nickname for Jeezy, um, for Jesus. <laughs> It's easy to lose the significance of it all and, and get caught up in the, even get caught up in the lights and the presents and the food and the parties and all the things that we do during the Christmas season and miss the true reason for the season. And so we, we need to stay grounded. We need to be intentional in staying grounded. And so we've been focusing on the story of Zachariah. Um, we call him Zach for this, the purposes of this series. Uh, Zach and Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth uh, is um, older, Zach's older, and he's a priest, and they've not had any children, and, and this is before the time of Jesus. And so while Zachariah is in the temple, an angel appears and tells him, hey, Elizabeth is going to have a child. And he says, gee, thanks. Now that I'm old, we're going to have a child. And actually, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say anything for, for nine months until, until uh, John is born. And after John is born, uh, they name him John. Liz names him John. And uh, uh, they, they ask Zachariah if that's correct. And Zachariah says, yes. Name, he writes, name, his name is John. And his loose, lips are loosened. He can talk. And and, and the scripture we've been focusing on is what Zach says immediately after John's birth. It's in Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 75. His father, Zechariah, was filled uh, with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And so we've been, we've been dealing with this idea that Zach gets Christmas. He, he understands what Christmas is all about and what is going on in this season, in this time. It's, it's bigger than babies. It's, it's bigger than the birth of a son. As excited as, as Zach has to be at the birth of John, as excited as he is for, for Mary and, and all the things that are going on, as exciting as all these things are, this is bigger than the birth of a baby. It's bigger than what's going on personally in his life. God is moving, and God's move will change everything. And so we've been kind of tracking through this idea. What, what is God's move? What is God trying to accomplish? What is God doing through John and, and through the soon-to-be-born Jesus? And the first thing we talked about, we, we focused on this ideal of redemption, and uh, God has come and has redeemed. And, and the first week we talked about how Christmas shows we're extremely valuable to God. You, you matter in, in the scheme of things. You are valuable to God. You are worth the birth and death and, and resurrection of Jesus. He has given, Jesus has given his blood for you. You are worthy of, of salvation. And, and you're worthy not because I say you're worthy, but you're worthy because God has said you're worthy. That, that it's worth the life 
life of his son to bring salvation to you and your home. And so we, we, we live with an awareness that, that we're not just worms, we're not worthless, but, but we are valuable to God. We matter, we're significant in his eyes. And then last week we focused on this ideal of the horn of salvation and, and, and we, set, we, we came up with the ideal that Christmas means God has come to save us from what will destroy us. And, and, and as we tracked through that, we, we, we looked at how sometimes we can begin to think that it's all about me, that I saved myself, but, but my salvation does not come from me, but it comes from God. And we can become arrogant in, in the way we walk before God as if we're earning all this, but, but we realize from, from our salvation to our death to our glorification we are saved by grace and grace alone from the beginning to the end and not only that God calls us on this redemptive path that Jesus chose to be people who are aware that those around us are facing death and danger and hell and judgment and we should take our call to follow Jesus seriously into the world this is a sending gospel. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, hear this. As Jesus came, we are called to go. And if we are not willing to go, we miss the whole ideal of Christmas. Jesus left the comfort of heaven. Jesus emptied himself and took on the form of the servant for people like you and I. And now our Lord, our Savior, the one we follow, calls us to do the same thing. To empty ourselves, to take on the form of the servant, if that's his desire for us, and to serve and to love other people. Because Jesus came, we go. And this week, we're going to look at the final part of this passage, 69 through 75. Um, it says, He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Can we read that last part again? In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Yes. Holiness and righteousness. You know, we are a holiness church. Amen? Uh, we, we, we believe. It is fundamental to our understanding that God is calling us to something more. To, to this ideal that, that God is optimistic in his view of me and optimistic in his view of you. And God is calling us to this, to this holy lifestyle, this, this, this righteous lifestyle. Now, when we talk about holiness, there's, there's lots of definitions we could use. And holiness could be called something that, that's sacred. Holiness could reflect something that's set apart. Holiness can reflect something that reflects true moral duties. In other words, someone who's holy would be someone who interacts with other folks in a correct way. Don't you hate that part of holiness? I, I just wish holiness was just how I acted with God, because God's easy to love, right? 
It's, it's this holiness as it relates to other folks that sometimes makes it more difficult. If that's true, say amen, right? Yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, you make it hard for me to be holy. <laughs> what are social duties? Honesty. Holy people are honest. Holy people... <laughs> And that includes tax returns. I'm sorry, you know, we're coming to the end of the year, but holiness includes your tax returns, folks. Kindness. You know, I think kindness, you see the word kindness mentioned in the Bible quite a bit in these lists of of things that we are to be. Kindness is an underrated virtue. Uh, You know anybody that's really kind? (laughs) Holy people should be kind. Kindness, forgiveness. I personally, I believe one of the the extraordinary things God calls us to do is to forgive. Forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness takes courage and forgiveness takes effort. And forgiveness only happens when we're intentional in our actions. Generosity. Peacemakers. Now, peacemaker, when I use the phrase peacemakers, we're not just talking about people that, the absence of war, but this ideal of peacemaker in the Bible is this ideal of of someone bringing the shalom of God, which is the wholeness of God. This is more than just the absence of conflict, but the shalom of God is the wholeness of God. It is the Sabbath of God. It is the peace of God. And, And people who are holy are peacemakers. Holy people love. What's love? Well, love isn't just warm, fuzzy feelings for other people. (laughs) Uh, Love is to intentionally give of your own resources, to intentionally give of yourself to someone for their good. I don't think Jesus is our perfect example of love. And I think in Jesus coming, you don't see all these warm, fuzzy feelings towards us all the time. But Jesus gave what we couldn't give to meet a need we couldn't meet out of his own resources. What's grace, the definition of grace? God's resources at Christ's expense. (laughs) And so that's love. We, We can love someone without having a lifetime channel emotion connected to it. You can love someone without emotional, warm, fuzzy feelings. You can love someone just by simply doing the right things. Love can be accomplished by accomplishing and doing the the duties that God has laid in our life. Now, now I I appreciate every time God gives me that warm, fuzzy feeling, right? We, we, we like those, those warm feelings, but, but love has to extend beyond that. And as a matter of fact, if, it's only, if we only love when our emotions give us those feelings, we make, love not, we make love subject to how we feel at the moment. And love extends beyond that. Righteousness. All right, and I'm going to give you a mind-blowing definition of righteousness. Are you ready? This will change your life. Righteousness 
is doing what is right. I, I know, I, I know. You'd never thought of that before, but righteousness is doing what is right. It, it's being, and, and the truth is, probably for most of us, we don't need a pastor to come up here and give us a list of things that are the right things to do. God, God, God has instilled within us this, this conscience that, that most of the time, you know the right thing to do. Amen? Amen. <laughs> being just. You know, justice is um, a phrase that when we use it, 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 it can have some, some, some connotations that, that, are, that, that do it a disservice. I, I think when we think of justice, we think of the Lone Ranger. And uh, at least those of us who are over 50 years old think of the Lone Ranger. Those of you under 50 say the Lone Who. <laughs> Um, the, you know, we think of that idea of someone coming and, and fighting bad guys and, 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 and being that advocate for, for the, the criminal justice system, if you will. But, but being just is more than just protection from one another. Being just is protection for one another. In other words, if I'm a just person, it's not that I'm just interested in bringing someone to justice, but, but I am interested to in making sure that everyone is is treated in an, in an equal, just manner. F folks, Christians, and, and this won't be a popular thing that I say, so should I say it, Bob? <laughs> Christians are concerned with systemic issues in our society. We are. We, we have to be. Uh, when we look at Wesley and we, we look at the, the tradition we came from, Wesley was concerned with systemic issues in his society. Wesley was concerned with schools and justice. Wesley was concerned with racial issues. You know, I, I'm not pointing fingers, but folks as believers, as holy people, we care about those things. Because we believe this optimistic God has called us to change the world or do our best to change the world until he returns. You know, the, the, the truth is, you know, I, I'm like you. I see the news and, and I see what's going on and, and, and I get to the point where I think, man, you can't change it. It's just broken. We just need Jesus to return. And I get like that too. I understand that. But, but in the midst of that, I will be obedient and do what he calls me to do. Even though I, sometimes it feels like you're, you know, you're kicking against a wall. Because when he comes, and he will come, right? He's done with that. When he comes, I'm going to be doing the things that he's called me to do. I'm not going to be hiding out. And so Christians are concerned. Righteous people are concerned about these big issues of our day. We, we work on those big issues in, in the small ways we can and in the big ways if we can, but, but we work on those systemic unjust injustices that we see. Righteousness is living the way God wants us to live. And, and, and when, I, when I think about that, that to, to me, that means that God, is call, God lives in a way in which he is concerned with us. And, and so God is calling us to live in a way in which we are concerned with others. That, that others matter. One author states that these two words may express duty to God and man respectfully. In other words, there's this duty to God and there's this duty to, to, to humankind. And others suggest... 
Holiness may relate more to the inner life and righteousness to our outer walk. And, and, and you can't do either without the other. That, that, that somehow God is calling us to be transformed from the inside out and that changes the way we live with other people. It's, it's more than... It's more than actions, but it's this inner life that's changed, that, that God is working within me. Now, now I think sometimes in, in, in the church, we, we can get so caught up in being saved from death. And, and last week we talked about that. I, I am thankful for the salvation that Jesus brings, that, that I am saved. That I, I am thankful that the end of all this, after we've done our striving, our living, as we've served God, at the end of this, there, there's a heaven to gain, right? Amen. You guys are thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. But there's more than that. There is this life here. And, and God sees more in humanity than maybe we see in ourselves. We can become jaded with regard to humanity. Amen? That's true. We can become jaded. We can become where we see everyone as just <sighs> bah humbug. Say that with me. I, you know, it feels good every once in a while to say bah humbug. You ready? One, two, three. Bah humbug. <laughs> We can, we can begin to develop that attitude. You can develop that attitude as a pastor. You know, this is, I'm not immune from this. I, 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 I preached a message one time on forgiveness, and I had somebody come up to me and tell me how much the message on forgiveness meant to them and, and went out that same week and wrote a scathing letter to another person in the church. And I was like, I guess I, I, maybe I preached a different message than I thought I preached. And so you can become jaded. You can think, man, people just don't change. God sees something different. God doesn't say, ah, people are people. They're not worth anyone, anything. God doesn't say, you can't trust anyone. Well, it says, in God we trust, all others pay cash. God doesn't stand behind, wow, they're only human. We use that as an excuse, don't we? Well, I'm only human. Well, you know, I've heard uh, Dan Walters used to, a pastor I used to have, used to always talk about people saying, well, they, I have red hair, so I have a temper. You can't hide behind that your entire life. <laughs> that, that at some point, if you've got red hair and you've got a temper, that, you know, I'm not, I'm not pointing you out particularly. But God can change us. Yeah. And God has this optimistic view. Christmas means... Here's the optimistic vision of Christmas. Christmas means that God wants to transform us. And I say, praise the Lord. <laughs> if there's anybody that's ever needed to be transformed, it's me. Transformed into the image that Christ has in mind for us. And so to be transformed, I believe we need to be more concerned with what God wants for us than what we want for ourselves, right? Isn't that true? That, that if we are truly, if this isn't just a game, if, this, if you're really here and, and this ideal of um, our, our vision statements, ordinary people following Jesus, and, and if that's real to you, and, and you're saying, I want to be more like Jesus, I want to follow Jesus, if that's really true, 
We should be interested in transformation. Change from the inside out. Now, there's a part we play to that in that. I mean, it, God, you know, I love altars. I love, I love sacred times. I, you know, I, I know I've had times in my life where God has done great leaps of transformation within me at an altar. Anybody else have anything like that happen, right? You know, God, God just moved. But, but there's a part we play. We, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. There, there, there's an effort that we put into it, and it's called discipleship. Now, my fundamental belief is discipleship is accomplished with other people. It's best accomplished with other people, and it's intended to be accomplished in the body. And so we are very intentional. We provide very intentional opportunities for discipleship to you. Uh, we have Sunday school classes. We have small groups. If you're sick of saying, hearing about small groups, say amen. Go ahead. I'm, okay, good. Thank you. But we're very intentional. They're important. You need each other. And so in, in January 7th, we're going to start a new series, and it's called the, um, You Make a Life By. <laughs> and, um, okay, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do what we're going to do in the first week today. We can do it the first week, too. I want everybody to, to take it. I want you to hold your breath as long as you can. We'll wait and see who's the first person to pass out. Oh, there, somebody's already ended. Okay, yeah. How long can you go? 30 seconds, 45 seconds? Is everybody breathing again? Yeah. Okay. Now I want you to blow out as long as you can. Just, just blow. If, you, if, you, if you're going to pass out, don't do it. Just blow out. Can't do that very long, can you? Life is made of breathing in and breathing out. Amen. You, you can't live unless you... And so we're going to talk about breathing in and breathing out. I see breathing in as the spiritual disciplines that, that bring life to us, and breathing out is the serving. If, if we only breathe in, we become consumers of God, and God doesn't call us to be consumers. And, and so in the sermon series, we'll be talking about ways we breathe out. We'll be talking about forgiveness, thanksgiving, Sabbath, service, generosity. And, and we'll be doing a, 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 a book with the series called The Life You've Always Wanted. It's a John Ortberg book. It's, it's a book for, uh, it's called um, Spirit, Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People. <laughs> and so it's just looking at the spiritual disciplines. And it's a small group curriculum. It's got a video. And we're inviting you to be part of that. Uh, there, there's several small groups that are meeting. If you want to be part of a small group, let me know. See me after the service. Uh, there's also one new one that's potentially starting that, that may be on another night. We'll give you details on January 7th or probably at the end of the month on that one as well. And then I'm going to be doing small groups in, in the gym. We're going to eat together right after church. And then about 1 o'clock, we're going to do uh, small groups break up into small groups, depending on how many people are part of that. And, and we're going to go through the series and Sunday afternoons. If you're interested in that, you can see me, and we'll talk more about the details of that. And I've also got a video from, from Judy. Judy is our growing um, team leader, and she's got some words she wants to share as well. Don't you appreciate Judy and all she does? I know I do. And uh, I hope you're part of one. If you're not, um, see me. We, we'd like to plug you in to this. Th this transformation is a community affair. We, we do this together. 
And, and, and the Bible, as, as, as Wesley would say, the Bible knows nothing of a solitary religion. In other words, we need each other and, and we grow through and with each other. And so we're looking for God to transform us and, you know, we're, we're looking for to be people advocates of justice and mercy. And justice and mercy is greater than what we want in our life. That We move out of our comfort zones. We, we let go of the things that displease God. One, one of the fundamental things that followers, true followers of Jesus do is instead of being so focused on their own needs... They become focused. They become obsessed with what God desires for their life. Uh, I think that's the the one thing that was striking um, about William Booth's vision in the video from last week was how obsessed William Booth was with lost men and women. As a matter of fact, I was talking to to Dr. Perdue as we left, and and, uh, as he left, and Dr. Perdue said, you know, William Booth, the only thing that mattered to him was lost men and women. (laughs) And so he had become obsessed with this ideal, this vision of humanity and this love of people. And if we're going to truly be transformed, we become obsessed with God and his desire for us and let go of those things that displease him. Now, this phrase holiness and righteousness is used one other place in the Bible. It's used in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. And Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on your new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. <laughs> Do you see that? Be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, I'm dating myself, I know, but who, who, who was a... Now, see, I, I was a Larry Bird guy myself, but who was a Michael Jordan guy? I'm just curious. Any Michael Jordans? Kevin, you look like you were probably a be-like-my kind of guy. Uh, Mike, Mike Griffith. Yeah, be-like-Mike. Be-like-Mike Griffith. Uh, and, uh, you know, that the ad campaign was Be Like Mike, and, you know, they had uh, Spike, uh, Spike Lee in it, and it was, uh, you know, it's got to be the shoes, Mike. It's got to be the shoes. And, you know, that was the whole campaign is Be Like Mike. Can, can I suggest a Christmas campaign for us, Be Like God? <laughs> we were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I don't know, but when I hear those kind of phrases and, and you say, well, pastor, you're overstretching. That's exactly what the scripture says. Jesus says, be holy like your heavenly father is holy. And so there's this call in the scripture, this, this optimistic call of the scripture for us to be like God in our holiness and our righteousness. See, we were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Yeah, I think about the Christmas story. And and we've talked about this at the end of every week. In the Christmas story, God uses people. In every story in the Bible, God uses people. He he speaks through their life. He he speaks and moves through Zach and Liz. He moves through Mary. He moves through John. And, And then he moves particularly perfectly through Jesus Christ. Jesus, God wrapped in human flesh, God moves through. And God still moves through people. God moves particularly 
through people who have been transformed into in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, if, we're, if God is going to move through us like he would like to move through us, there is this need that we be truly righteous and truly holy. Now, it's response time, and I, you know, I don't know how we'll respond today. I'm going to give you some freedom to respond how, how God would lead you to respond. It's, I know it's Christmas. I'm, I know we've, you know, I know how busy this time is. I know how busy Terry and I are. But I want to leave you with this ideal. An optimistic God calls us to an experience an optimistic grace. In other words, we have this optimistic God in heaven that has this optimistic vision for humanity. Uh, you know, our, our theology, our theology is so optimistic, folks. Uh, we believe when the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him uh, will never perish but have everlasting life. We, we optimistically in our Armenian theology believe that means anybody. <laughs> that, that everyone and anyone is welcome at the table. That, that the grace of Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ was, was great enough to save the entire world. And that if everyone were to choose to follow God, Christ's blood was sufficient for every person born in the human race. That's pretty optimistic. But not only that, we believe that this optimistic grace extends to how we personally live our life. In other words, we, we believe that this grace is big enough that, that God won't make us just people or people and leave us just how we are, but God wants to change us, transform us from the inside out. He wants to sanctify us, set us apart, change us, transform us. My, my life verse is... Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, a living, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. You know, there, there, there's this, this ideal, and, and, and I think as you, as you see this scripture, I think we've all experienced this. The world wants to push us into an image. God's desire is to transform us, Amen. to change us. Now, now, I believe in this scripture, you see a pattern. You see this ideal that when I submit, when I, when I give myself to God, that, then that act of transforming can occur. I know in my life, that's what happened. There, there came a point in my life when I got sick of the conforming force of the world. And I said, no more. And I gave myself fully to God. And there was transformation. What's it mean to us today? Well, there, there's, there's some out here today. There, there's somebody sitting here that, that, that you just, you haven't been optimistic enough to believe that God could really save you. <laughs> or, or you don't think God really cares. And I'm here to tell you, God cares for you. He sees you, he knows you, and, and he has a plan for you. Our optimistic God can bring you into relationship with, with him if you're just willing to let him. And there's some, 
that you're just, you just live by the mantra, people are people, I'm just human. And you've never got to that point of full surrender where you've just letting God change you from the inside out. You know, in this scripture it says, you know, when you live in that way and you just give it all to God, you'll be able to see his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, you'll be able to fully live just by letting go. And I think probably in this room this morning, there's probably, there's probably some that need to just let go. You've had your way long enough, and if you were honest, your way's not brought you any satisfaction, and you just need to say, God, I'm tired of living this walk on my own. I'm going to trust you. And then there's a lot of you in here just need to give God praise and thanks for that optimistic grace that has changed you and is changing you. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God's not finished with any of us? Amen. And I am, I am thankful for every fresh blessing, every new step that God in the journey that God takes me, every, every fresh insight He gives me. And I, I'm thankful for that. Maybe you just need to respond to that. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. We're going to pause just for a couple minutes. And um, our altars are always available. Uh, maybe, maybe you need to, to take that extra step and just come out and speak to God at an altar. Our altars are always available uh, for you. And I encourage you, if the Spirit's talking, do it. Nobody's going to think anything less of you. Or any. Matter of fact, all they'll think is, man, that's a seeker. I want to be just like them. So be obedient. Lord, help us now to be obedient. Uh, help us to hear from you and to respond to you. And Lord, may we, um, may we be vessels who are open to your righteousness and your holiness. In Jesus' name we pray.